0: Prop Network production.
1: Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show presented by Maxis Tires and Alpine Stars Protects on racerxonline.com Online.com. your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,000 podcasts delivered with over 7 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on PollMX to help us out, and donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who
0: support us. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing RacerX Podcast, presented by Maxis and Alpine Stars. I appreciate you guys listening to this. Please get it on the uh, Stitcher app. Get it on uh, RacerX Online. Subscribe to RacerX Online Magazine while you're at it. And uh, get the Pulp Amex app. It's got all the old archives on it. And, uh, yeah, thanks again for listening, everybody. Weston Pike, Adam that Blake Baggett, Benny Bloss, just some of the guys that wear Fly Racing out there each and every week uh, on racing Supercross. And so please check them out, flyracing.com. Whether it's snow Whether it's a watercraft Whether it's mountain biking uh, Or dirt biking Fly racing Has you covered And we thank those guys as well Also Alpine Stars Love these guys The Tech 10 boots The benchmark boot In motocross The Tech 10 Further advances The innovations that make it The most technical Motocross boot ever I've been to Italy I saw these things being built And I can uh, I can attest for that As well as the A4 chest protector Uh, The A4 chest protector Incorporates adjustable kidney straps Uh, It can be used with Bionic neck support system It's CE service. Certified, and it's the professional rider's choice for those from Supercross to MXGP to GNCC and beyond. Alpine Star protects, and of course, Maxxis tires. The MXST tire is coming out real soon. Developed by Jeremy McGrath, Maxxis tires will let you hook up, pull the whole shot, and beat your competition in any terrain or conditions. We thank the folks at, at Maxxis and Alpine Stars. And Fly Racing as well for making this happen. So uh, thank you for listening. I've, I've talked to David Thorpe. I've talked to Rob Andrews. I've talked to Paul Malin. I've talked to Kurt Nickel. Uh, next up in my uh, ring of great British motocrossers is a guy that uh, always looked, out, looked real cool in magazines and had a fantastic career winning GPs and is now doing some interesting stuff. Rob Herring, what's going on, Rob? How are you?
1: hey i'm very good thank you i'm very good a bit cold over here in the uk but apart from that keeping well
0: yeah yeah really well i'm in vegas it's cold too but when we're talking cold uh celsius it's probably it's probably like 15 celsius right now 10 celsius really cold yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: not like here. Right, we have snow.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. Like I said, I've talked to just about all of the great British motocrossers uh, from, to- from here to there, and uh, you were one of the last ones to talk to. So I, I appreciate it, man. Uh, you've had a-, a nice career on and off the bike.
1: Yeah, I've had a, I've had a, um, a pretty long-standing um, a long standing career over here, you know, um, um, after coming here from moving back to the UK from South Africa um, back in 86. I think I, I was professional up until 2000, and um, then injury caused me to retire. So um, I had a good 14, 15 years at it.
0: Yeah, really, right? And so before we get into your career and everything, are you still riding dirt bikes at all anymore? I mean, I know we'll get into your stunt work, but I mean, like, just motoing for fun.
1: Um. I would like to. I find it really, really difficult, you know, um, uh, these days to find the time to to ride. You know, my, my work commitments mean I have I work a lot of weekends as well as during the week. And mm-hmm. generally speaking, Sundays is the main day for riding. And it's the, probably the only day some days I have off. So I spend okay. it with the family.
0: So <laughs> right, right.
1: It doesn't mean I don't want to ride. Yeah. But I think last year I threw my leg over a motocross bike twice last year.
0: Oh, boy. Okay. So, yeah, not not that much,
1: huh? Um, not that much, no.
0: All right. So you're, you're currently in stunt work you do a lot of james bond movies among other things and i I, from rich taylor over here to dave castillo some of my real good friends are involved in the stunt industry here in america and um, it is a lot harder than maybe people think like the things they ask you to do where they ask you to break and and accelerate and everything else is pretty crazy um how'd you get into it um
1: i kind of fell into it by chance you know when i was um One of the villages I was living in back in the sort of late 80s, there was a youngster um, living in the village that was a really, really good schoolboy rider. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we kind of trained together, and um, we kind of grew up through the the sort of early 90s together. And he dropped out of motocross through injury and got into stunts. And I'd lost contact with him. I think he came over to the U.S. His name was Lee Morrison. Okay, yeah. He came Mm -hmm. over to the U.S. to do some riding and stuff. And I think he worked with Mike Kajowski and a couple of riders over there doing some training. Mm -hmm. um, He came back to the U.K., got involved and became a very good stuntman and I bumped into him one day and the guy that he was with was a gentleman called Gary Powell and he's one of the top stunt coordinators in the world does all the Bond films mm-hmm. and I got talking to them and Gary Gary loosely said to me oh you know um would you would love to get you to do some, some work for us in mm-hmm. the films and I went yeah it'd be great and yeah. I just thought he was making making conversation and really didn't think much of it went away you know after giving him my phone number and then he rang me up maybe two weeks later and said we're, we're doing some work on Casino Royale you know um, come down and let's try you out and it kind of went from there really Oh wow. So I uh, yeah. got into it, you know, meeting the right the, meeting the right people, yeah. you know, um at the right time, I suppose. Yeah. Wasn't by choice, you know. Wasn't wasn't something I planned to get into. <laughs> right, I never right. knew much about it. I just kind of fell into it.
0: Um and and so like I said, it's a lot harder than people think, right? It's not just like it, um it's 25 takes of sliding a bike or stopping a bike or doing a jump and and usually these bikes have cameras on them. They're heavy. Like it's not all fun and games that people may think.
1: Yeah, I mean exactly. I've t- I've tended to do more. Um, I'm classified more as a precision driver, but okay. more on the bike side. You know, I do all the I do all the stuff with the cameras on. So on on the Bond films, when they're up on the rooftops riding, yeah. I'm the one doing the riding with the cameras on. You know, I'm. Um, one of you know they're on skyfall we had robbie robbie madison up on the rooftops and lee and oh I was chasing those, uh, and those
0: tile rooftops at the very beginning right yeah, i was yeah
1: i was up there with a bike with a camera on the front i was probably carrying nearly 100 kilos on board And i'm having to do the same stuff those guys are doing with cameras on it so, <laughs> right. and i got us and and it's heavy when you haven't got a lot of a lot of um a lot of room up there and yeah there's no there's no room for error you know um yeah it's pretty difficult and mm-hmm. Take after take, you know, you, you hope they get it in the first take just to sure. you know, yeah. reduce the, reduce the risk factor. But quite often it's four or five takes. Sometimes it can be longer and you just keep going. But, um, um, I really enjoy that, you know, yeah. it's, it kind of, I suppose in a way I, I get an adrenaline buzz from that yeah. similar to what I do from, you know, from, from riding an off-road bike. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of replaced it in a way, um, and, and I do a whole lot of different stuff, you know, not just bikes, squads, cars, yep, you yep. know. Um, and I and I get a real kick from it.
0: Um, anyway. do you you got to travel a lot for that. I know some of these guys do, and some of them have late notice too, where it's like the stunt coordinator is like, "Hey, in three weeks we got to go to Hawaii for a month or whatever it is." Uh, um, you know, do, is that kind of the lifestyle you lead a little bit?
1: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm away. I mean, I've luckily, luckily last year I spent most of the year, you know, in the UK, but. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, I've been away. I've spent five or six months away, you know, working in Italy, you know, South America, Mm -hmm. you know, China, all over the place. Um, We take the equipment with us. Um, So yeah, I spend a lot of time away. Um, UK is pretty busy at the moment, film-wise. So luckily, Mm -hmm. there's a lot going on here, which is keeping me busy. But the big films, they'll they'll go abroad. You know, like the new Bond films and yeah.
0: Does it cross over? Does it cross over to like you come to USA and USA guys go? Is, is, uh, the nationalities of the stunt crews—do they mix up? Because, because, like the guys I know over here, I don't ever hear them going, you know, to Europe to do them a lot, uh, and vice versa.
1: They sometimes do. Um, I've bumped into a couple of the American stunt uh, stunt guys, Jimmy Roberts. Yep. Oh yeah. Um, Jimmy does a lot, you know, a lot of stuff with them. With. Um um, Tom Cruise, you know, bumped into Jimmy a couple of times and some other of the snap Boys. But generally speaking, you know, if it's an American production, quite yeah. often they bring the the American guys over here. You know, mm-hmm. and there's a couple of us who might get on the film if we're if we're specialists enough, we might get on the on yeah. the film. Um, and the same, you know, if it's an English production and they go to America, quite often the the core, you know, four or five guys get taken mm-hmm. out from the UK, but the rest of yeah. them then are American and they mix pretty well. You know, they're yeah. all into the same kind yeah, of yeah, stuff. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah,
0: And I guess when you're s- s- sitting around shooting the s- shit with other stunt drivers, you're like, yeah, I won motocross GPs. I finished top five in the world. Uh, I, I raised supercrosses." Um They're probably like, what really? <laughs> like you have a pretty cool no, background. Kind of,
1: you know, I, I, I don't say I, yeah, I'm the kind of the person I don't say anything, you know, because I've moved on I, to me. That's almost like a <laughs> lifetime ago. There's sure. a lot of people yeah, that yeah. know who I am, right? but I kind of, I keep quiet. And if somebody asks about it, I'll talk to them about it. Yeah. But, you know, I just these days I'm very much. This is my career now. You yeah. know, and and they talk to me about what I'm doing now. You know, yeah. um, some guys obviously know who I am. Who used to maybe race MX and stuff. Yeah, like yeah. I know who they might have been. Like you know, Jimmy. I, I heard Jimmy's Jimmy Roberts' name through the Supermoto. Yeah, yeah. I used to obviously watch the American Supermoto quite a lot. You know, back in the um, mm-hmm. 2000s. So, um, you know, but generally speaking, you know, we do we do end up chatting about stuff, but um, I don't, I don't, I never volunteer the information. Yeah. I only ever say if somebody asks me.
0: Yeah. Um, that's yeah. really cool. It's, that sounds like a, I mean, again, you're away from home for a long time and at times, but man, the pay is pretty good and it's, it's excitement and, and it, it, it sounds like a real cool gig. It's not the safest thing, but man, boy, you've got some stories, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I thoroughly, I thoroughly enjoy. You know, mm-hmm. um, um, I thoroughly enjoy the challenge side because it's a bit like to me. I kind of. I kind of look at it, it's a bit like, you know, Supercross. Yep. It's a bit like you've got to, you've got to weigh things up. Your timing's got to be right. Your judgment's yep. got to be right. When you, you put in a situation and I've got cameras on board and I'm involved in a stunt scene, you know, you've got four or five different cars going different speeds, different angles. I have to be at the right point at the right time. Yep. If anything goes wrong, if one of us messes up, it can be it can be fatal to oh, it, for sure. To, to somebody, if not so it's really a thinking you know it's a thinking mm-hmm. man's game you've, you've got to be really really on the ball you know and, and very alert and i enjoy that side of it you know it's mm-hmm. very technical yeah um so yeah I, you know to me it, kind of the closest thing that i've been involved in it reminds me of back you know racing a bike again yeah at, at a, you yeah. know at, at a high level so for
0: sure yeah absolutely yeah and some of my buddies tell me like the the stunt coordinator will be like hey look um We just decided that this stunt guy is going to have to lay it down and slide on the pavement. We're gonna give you an extra, you know, five grand for that. Who wants it? You know, you know what I mean? It's kind of like one of those deals. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and people yeah, be like, ah, yeah. "I don't it, know about that. I don't know about that. That's done, or whatever it, it is." It can be, you yeah.
1: know, at least, at least with my at least with my side. Generally speaking, like when I got the cameras on board, yeah, I don't really tell you to lay it down too <laughs> right, much, so right, it's right. pretty good. But you know, that's a, but that's a that's a weird one to do. From when you've come from a racing background, right, right, and they say to you, you know, okay, we want you to go in here now, and we want you to to do an endo and go over the bars. You spent your whole career trying not to. <laughs> fall off yeah, exactly. now you've got to make yourself try and fall off yeah it's you know it's it really, really you've got to get your mind around it first but it's right yeah, I, to me that's not appealing because I, I know i know what pain's like i've been right. to hospital too many times yeah, so exactly. i want to stay on two wheels how much uh,
0: <laughs> yeah. how much do you follow the supercross motocross now or the gps or anything else obviously today as we're doing this the opening round in argentina took place uh, how much do you follow sport now
1: i watch the american stuff all the time oh you, you do know? okay to me yeah, I love it. The Outdoors, the supercross. I watch the supercross. You know, I don't get it live, so mm-hmm. I watch it. You know, I watch it in, in the next morning. I watched it this morning from from yesterday. Oh, okay. Uh, from Atlanta, yeah. I love it. You know, to me, that that is the the pinnacle of of motocross racing. You know, is the American supercross. The outdoors, I love the outdoors as well. The GPs, to be truthful, I watch it. Mm-hmm. You know, I watch it for one or two riders, but I'm not overly, I'm not overly interested in it. To me, it's not it's not racing like i remember it yeah, but um yeah. you know um but i love the american racing yeah. i think cause i cuz i kind of grew up it's in south africa which the tracks were very similar to the american tracks mm-hmm. you know that's what i enjoy the technical the technical um side of, of racing the tracks are far more technical than the european tracks and and i like watching the american riders race you know there are a few europeans now that are tending to ride more 100% from when the game oh, dropped for sure. to, to yep. when yeah it never used to be like that Yep. like the Americans. When the gate drops, it's a hundred percent until the Czech flag comes out. Mm-hmm. You know, but now you've got guys like Carole and Hurlings who race like that. But twenty, twenty years ago, fifteen years ago, they weren't yeah. doing that.
0: Shit, I went to. So I love
1: yeah. the Americans.
0: I went to Teuschenthal in like. 2000 and uh this was coppins and leoc and uh caroli was still there um and and i was surprised at the pace between the 450 and the and the 250 the 250 of course was marvin and kenny and um um, a few other guys and they were all out and scrubbing like the americans and the 450 class uh was more hey let's all pace ourselves hey look 10 minutes to go let's wick it up and um it was real I, i i felt right around the turn of the century is when things started to change to me because the mx2 guys were all out scrubbing and attacking like like i see every weekend in america to me anyways yeah yeah
1: yeah definitely definitely you know and and that breed now is kind of you know um let's say the americans have been doing it for a long long time and europeans now are catching on you know and um it's made the, the racing a lot more interesting, but I think because of our kind of there's been ten or fifteen years of quite dull racing in the GPs, especially the 450 car I yeah. kind of lost interest in watching it. Yep. the American stuff, you know, has always been like that, and it's you know it's it's so good to watch. So yeah, you know, I'm a great fan of the US racing.
0: Oh, that's that's cool. That's interesting. Yeah, for sure. So um, let's. Let's go into the time machine a little bit and go back. So you, you always confuse me as a kid growing up watching, you know, watching cycle, reading cycle news and, and reading MXAs because I thought you were South African and then you were English. And I'm sure you've told this story a hundred times. But in my research, it looks like you were born in England. Parents were from uh, England and then they moved early on to South Africa uh, for work, I guess. Or, or what happened?
1: Yeah, uh, my dad, um, uh, they moved for work. You know, my dad visited South Africa when he was uh, in the Navy, you know, um, doing his uh, military sort of duty, you know, um, Mm -hmm. uh, when he was really young. And he went to New Zealand and he went to to Cape Town, I think it was, and uh, he thoroughly loved both those countries. And he thought to himself, one day I want to live in one of those countries. And in, I think it was 76, you know, I was born in 1969 mm-hmm. and in 76, uh, I was born in the UK in, in, you know, 1969 and yeah. 1976, my parents decided to emigrate to South Africa. So I went there when I was seven Yeah, and then I came, I came back, I spent my, my, my school years in South Africa. That's where I learned, you know, to ride um, an off-road bike, you yeah. know, and yeah. where I, I grew up racing, you know, and then came back in, in 1986, beginning of 1986 to try and make a career of. Of um, racing uh, motocross.
0: So parents stayed, and you just were like, were you like Ratray and Langston and, and Alby, where you're like, I gotta get off, off of SA to, you know, I gotta get to the GPs? Is that kind of how it went? Because the, at the
1: time, no one, only one rider had ventured out of South Africa. Um, that was a guy called Tony Riddell. He came okay. to the U.K. to race. I think it was back in, like, 85 or something. Okay. He was one of the top South African adult racers. And, yep. no and myself and Colin Dugmore, we were the young up-and-coming. Right. Um, we were the top guys over there as, as as kids. And we both came to Europe at the beginning of 86. Colin went to Germany, and I came to the U.K. because my grandparents were here. Sure, we had yeah. a family, yeah. basically a family base here. So Colin went to Germany and I came to the UK and um, you know I, I planned to do the GPs that year but we couldn't afford to do it so I did selective, you know international mm-hmm. events and I did one Grand Prix that year Irish one twenty five Grand Prix just as a, just as a, a bit of a teaser um, and that was a start really but South African scene was was really really um, was really healthy in mm-hmm. the in the sort of early to late 80s was extremely healthy and we had a, a good that, like, bunch of riders. Was,
0: was Ro- Wozniak there? Larry Wozniak and all that? The American guy?
1: Larry Wozniak was over there. Okay. You had Jim Tarantino. Tarantino, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, and Jim was, a, you know, the king of Saddleback Park, right, right, know, right, in his day. So, yeah. you also had we had people like um, Rex Staten you know, Rocket Rex was over there. Oh, and he Rex. lived there for I didn't quite know, a number of years. I didn't years. know
0: he went there. Oh, he did, huh?
1: Rex, Rex was there. Well, we had, we were, I was lucky enough to have um, Brian Marskoff come over. Oh, wow. And Brian basically, he didn't live with us. He lived with, with us for about a month, and then he, he found himself a little place. But basically, he he ran out of our garage for sort of wow. pretty much that year. And I, and I rode with Brian all the time, practicing, you know, playwriting. Yeah, yeah. And that's really the guy that, that – that, taught me the most about what I could do and, and play riding with a bike and figuring out what I could do with it. And, you know, cause nobody, play, nobody play road then everybody mm-hmm. was just riding around yep. tracks and stuff. But Brian would go out looking for things to jump and trying to find little, little obstacles he could try and get over. And, and yep. I wish to watch him and then try and try and emulate what he was doing. So he taught me a, a vast amount of skill, you know, yep. and uh, really it's Brian. I think that I owe most of my ability to really. Yeah.
0: Well, wow, that's pretty cool. You know, I, not, I didn't know Brian from, did yeah. that. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, ph- phenomenal rider to watch. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe when he came over there, you know, it was a new lease of life to him. Mm-hmm. You know, um, because he had a few, he had some health issues when he was yep. on factory Honda team in in, in the US, and yep. maybe the whole new new lease of life for him. And I, and I, so I may have seen him at, you know, it may have been a peak for him, kind of thing. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Um, and um, when he came there, nobody knew him. And he was so good on a bike to watch the stuff that he could do on a bike. And it really opened my eyes up to what you you could make and make, you know, making yourself one with yeah. bike yeah. rider, rider and bike become one. But before that, we were two different things. That was the bike. And I was the rider and I never used, made the bike do what I wanted to, to do. Watching him do stuff. You know, I really, really right. learned so much. Now I talked to me Ma- as i thought about,
0: I talked to Malin about you uh, a little while ago and, and, you know, growing up, your results in Supercross were always a lot better than a lot of GP riders. You looked better on the bike than a lot of GP riders. And Paul was like, and we brought this up, and because if I I'm going to ask you about it, but if, I seem to remember you beating RJ or Wardy at a Supercross, which never happened back then. Like you, you won. Did you win a Supercross or something or somewhere? In,
1: I won. I won in, in 1986, my, my which was my first year back in UK. I won. Mm-hmm. There was two nights of racing in the UK where Jeff Ward came over, Guy Cooper came over. You know, I led the first night until the last corner and yeah. fell off and water beat oh, me. And the second night I won. Okay. Uh, and then I went, I went to um, Amsterdam and uh, I won uh, the first night in Amsterdam and I was on a stock stock two fifty. Yeah. You know, we had all, we had, I can't remember which Americans were in Amsterdam, but it was the hard cross series, but there was, you know, there was some there yeah. was some good American yeah. riders there. So which, but that was when I was kind of still pretty fresh, you know, I was people, still pretty fresh from South Africa.
0: Right. Which people need to realize like never happened. Right. So uh, growing up, yeah. I always saw you were good at super, Supercross, and then I talked to Malin about it, and I'm like, hey, he was good in Supercross. And Paul said it was, he thinks, it was your upbringing in in South Africa that, that, you know, where so much, not so much it was practiced in in, in the GPs and in Europe so much, it was more South Africa where you learned how to jump a little bit and, 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 you know, hit the downsides and, and, you know, basically refine your Supercross technique. Do you you agree with that?
1: Definitely, 100%. You know, everything that I learned pretty much was – was what I learned in South Africa. So, some top American guys come over, you know, and a national series. And I remember watching one meeting. I was only on an 80. I, I might have been about 10 years old. It uh-huh. was the first time I saw people jumping a double and <laughs> landing on their front wheel so they could break to make the next turn. Yeah. Because everybody used to land on the back wheel. And it was like, geez, you know, how did they do that? And then <laughs> right. you go off and you practice it. Yeah. You know, but our tracks over there, you know, when I was riding an 80 back in, this is the early The early 1980s were far more technical then than what they are in the U.K., you know, up to about 10 years ago. The tracks that I was racing as as a kid were far more technical than what they had in the U.K. And So I learned everything pretty much from watching the American riders, you know. And then we used to go. I mean, I came over over as a youth, you know. I think when I was 11 or 12, I came to Saddleback Park, and I raced. Oh, you did? Okay. The the Olympics or the Mini World Yep. I went to Ponca City in, in eighty in eighty four. We used to like look at the obstacles and stuff and measure them and then come home and we build them <laughs>
0: nice.
1: and then we go and practice them. Yeah, yeah. Because everything we learned was was watching the Americans, how they did it. it. was there used to be a triple jump at Saddleback Park. I remember jumping out on an eighty when I came over, watching guys like Larry Brooks, and, you know, there was there was a kid then racing in, in the 80s who I think got killed, Bruce Bunch. Yeah, Bruce Bunch, yeah. It was really yep. Bruce, you know, watching Bruce, you know, people like that, Paul Paul Dennis or Paul Denise. Paul Dennis, yeah, yeah. Yeah, watching those guys do it, coming back, building it, so the next time I went over, you know, I could do it. So mm. wow, everything was learned pretty much, you know. Do... From, yeah, it's perfect, but watching and copying the American style of, of racing and, and track building.
0: Yeah, I'm doing a story on Eddie Hicks right now. It's coming out soon on Racer X. So he was right around that era also, Eddie Hicks on a, on a yz 8
1: Absolutely. I, mem- I remember yeah. Eddie, Eddie Hicks. I think he had a pretty tricked-out um, yes.
0: yeah, DMC bike. Um, yeah.
1: tricked DMC. I remember taking pictures of it. That's pretty awesome. Yeah.
0: Um, so obviously you won Motocross the Nations in 94, and we'll get to that uh, with England broke, breaking the USA streak, and, and something I, tell him, I remind Malin about all the time, that he should be bragging more about that. <laughs> but... Um, so did you ride under South are you South African citizen also could you ride for them the whole time? Did you have to make a choice at some point on whose flag you were going to ride under
1: I think up until a certain point, the donations. I can't remember what year it changed and went via your passport. I've always had a British passport. I've never had had a South African passport. I've Ah, I've only ever had nationality, like citizenship there, because my parents lived there. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think in the early days, I probably could have ridden for South Africa, but I didn't. In my first year... Over in the UK it was '86, and I got chosen to ride that year for England in '86. So, you know, I rode for Britain when we finished second to the USA, the dream team of Bailey. Oh, were you, know, you guys second that
0: Mara. year? Oh, I, we okay. were second that year. Uh, yeah.
1: So that was my first year. I think because I rode for England that year, mm-hmm. I would have always ridden for England yeah. after that. But yeah. um, now nowadays, it's 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 via your passport, and I've always had a British passport, right. so it yeah, always would have been England.
0: Well, I'm Canadian, and I remember when Dean Wilson was too for us at this Nations, and that was awesome. And then he turned his back yeah. on us. <laughs> he, he, doesn't like yeah. when I, he doesn't like when I bring that up, but I wish he was still Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, interesting to to see. Yeah. So, so yeah, you were always good at Supercross the whole time. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, if, you, if you're beating Wardy in '86, like that's pretty good. You know. And, and again, like yeah, nothing I against mean... Thorpe and Gabors and all those guys, but they're not beating Wardy at Supercross in '86. Like no. you know, no chance. No. So. um it's pretty interesting to see where that came from. Do you, this would yeah. have been after your time, but do you remember a young Greg Alberton at all? Did anybody tell you about him? I remember
1: Greg. I was, you know, I was, Greg grew up with me racing. You oh, know, okay. Greg was younger than me, a couple yep. years younger. Yep. When I was, when I was on 125s, Greg was on 80s. So I grew up, you know, I think my, we, we had some really good mutual friends and I used to see Greg quite a lot. You know, i got go practicing and be oh, okay. to Greg. Oh, okay. All right. And, so, yeah. 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 You know, um, and I think it to some degree. I was I was the, sort of the top adult myself and Colin Dougmore, and I think we were the, probably the ones that Greg looked at, you know, sure. becoming one day. Um, we all rode for Team Green, so I knew Greg extremely well, you know. And Greg Greg went on to do some great things as well, you know. Yeah, a really, yeah. really good little rider. But he was always really small when he was young, and uh, he, you know he obviously grew quite a lot. You know, um, turned out to be quite a decent size on a big bike, but he was always small. and We always thought. Yeah, you know, his height would hinder him a little bit. And, and, uh, but good little rider, really good little rider.
0: So you talk about 86 and coming over and you ride for England second at this nation's on a Honda. Uh, the first year I remember Rob Herring, <coughs> excuse me, was 87 on a Yamaha. Um, yeah. What? Wh- who's what team is that? Who, who's, how do you get that ride? And, and you get fifth overall in the world.
1: Yeah. That year, I mean, 86, I did basically a road for myself. Okay. You know, um, as soon as I came over here, my, my first ever meeting, I went and did a, a British championship and it was, um, you had to ride in, it was the 500 championship. You had to ride in, in support class. Cause I was basically, nobody knew of me. And yep. I won both races by like a golden mile
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I was laughing as fast as Dave thought was. And, um, my second meeting was a British 250 championship and, um, I won the first moto. I was, I think, third in the second moto, and then I crashed out the third. So everybody sort of sit up and thought, "Geez, yeah. who's, who's this guy? <laughs> who's this guy?" Right? So Kawasaki came in and they and they said, "Look, we'll give you a couple of bikes, and you just ride through a dealer for the year." So okay. that year, I kind of, I rode with a little bit of help from Kawasaki UK, but I rode through, through a dealer called Corby Kawasaki. You know, I did the motocross donations, I did a lot of international events, um, and people sort of started to, to notice who I was. Obviously I won the the, the, the Manchester Supercross yep. beating Wardy. I won the yeah, yeah. one in Antwerp, the the donations where we were second. Um I, I had the offer of a full factory ride for Yamaha in the two fifty GP class. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time I had an offer for uh for a full season um a full factory ride in the Kaw- for Kawasaki in the five hundred class. Okay. At my dad was kind of my manager and my mechanic, and he thought, you know, the 250s is going to be a better stepping stone for you, to better learning curve, rather than jumping straight in. So I, so I ended up with a full factory ride, you know, um, in the 250 class as a pretty much an unknown, really. Yeah. You know, so um, you know, I went into the GPs and um, won my first double moto that year. And at one point, I think I was the the youngest ever double moto winner in the 250 gp class i think lachine There was an american round maybe in 85 or something uh, 84 that lachine had won and we were really tight on on ages yeah um but um yeah i mean so i ended up fifth in the fifth in the world that year and and then stayed with yamaha then for, for 1988
0: um uh, mrs Gabor's wins the title veckinen second jorgen nielsen third and, and your fifth um pretty yeah. pretty impressive yeah. now Back then, as I've talked to Rob about and, and Thorpe and, and Kurt and everybody else, there was the Honda's factory bikes, and there was everybody else. Or did you feel like your Yamaha was was pretty good?
1: Um, I definitely, I definitely thought that the Yamaha in '87 was um, wasn't a particularly great bike. Right? Um, we were definitely not the strongest, you know, um, motor. Um, I think the Yam the Yamahas and probably the factory Kajiva at the time, which Rekunem was on, was mm-hmm. pretty was pretty impressive. Um, but um, in '88, you know, the Yamaha was completely different and was a very good bike. But '87 yep. we struggled with it, and especially yep. I spent my whole career on Kawasaki. But we had we had a, we had to do a lot of work ourselves. You know, we had a lot of obviously we were a factory bike, but we ended up pretty much running production modified bikes because mm-hmm. I couldn't get on. I didn't like <laughs> the, what the factory produced then. Yeah. Yeah, the power was, was always very, very smooth and I didn't like that. I liked it I liked it a bit more of a hard hit in the yep. range, range. You know, and a bit more top end. So and, and I couldn't get that from the factory. So we ended up pretty much running production modified bikes with the, factory suspension.
0: And this is the year Honda sends Gabor's down, you know, he kinda wins pretty easily. But Yeah, yeah, he he had a good year. That yeah, he only I mean, rode extremely well. Um, what is it about Yugoslavia? Because you won, like you said, you won both motos in 87 there uh, as a super young kid. And then you won another few motos there. What is it about you? The country doesn't even exist anymore, but what did you love about Yugoslavia track?
1: I'm not sure. I mean, the
0: one, the one that I won in 87
1: was the track called Dastro Bosco. And okay. I never went there once, but for some reason, maybe it was the ground and you know, it was pretty, pretty hard packed, but okay. it rained and it was really, really slippy and wet. And I think, it probably was closer to the ground that I was more like more more accustomed to riding on back home in South Africa because yep. a lot of the tracks were hard packed. Yep. And it was a track where I had I had as a youngster, I had an awful lot of speed, raw speed. Mm-hmm. Um and it probably wasn't the most technical. Apart from being slippy, yeah. it wasn't the most technical, but it was fast. And I and I had raw speed. Yeah. You know, and my raw speed was, you know, um, the other guys didn't have that. Um and like quite a few people have said to me, at one time you were the fastest rider in the world and that was fast as in speed because I had raw speed. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't you can't teach that somebody. That's yeah. you either sort of have it or you don't kind of thing. And I had it in sort of in buckets, you know, on right, certain tracks. Right, right. And that was one that was one track that just suited yeah. the way I rode a bike, you know. Yeah. Hanging onto that throttle that a little bit longer.
0: My my takeaway from you just totally through motocross action and cycle news growing up is if Rob Herring could ever figure this out, if Rob Herring ever stops crashing, if Rob Herring ever, like if if the light switch ever goes on, this guy is unbelievably fast. He could be a world champion. You know, that was always the word about you, you know? And I think, I think it definitely, right. You
1: know, but if the, I think one of the biggest things as well was, you, you learn to stay on, you know, eventually you learn to ride at that speed. and mm-hmm. I, Eventually I did learn to ride at that speed, but I didn't have the fitness to ride at that speed. Mm. Like now you watch hurlings and people, they ride, they have the speed and they have the fitness to do. I didn't have that and I never yep. had that. And it was by the time I really realized, geez, you know, I need to be in much better shape. It was too late. Yeah, was, I already yeah. had far too many injuries. Right. My body was already yeah. yeah. So it was too late. So
0: that's that's an old story, right? If you knew then what you knew now, and all that, right? Like that's an old story for a lot of motocrossers. You know, yeah.
1: Yeah. Definitely. Definitely.
0: Um. So is this is this team in '87 Yamaha? Is this based out of England? Like Yamaha Japan is sending works parts to England, and Roger Harvey's managing this. Is this right?
1: It was. It was based out of um, Amsterdam, Envy, you know, okay. um, the yep. official Yamaha U- European headquarters. Right. Um, run by um, Mitsu, which was then Mitsui Yamaha, which was the which is the UK Yamaha. Um, oh,
0: okay. Distributor. distributor.
1: Yeah. And sure. And Roger Harvey was was um, was our team manager. So, um, Lynn Jarvis, who's ne- now is team managing MotoGP. Lynn Jarvis was our our team manager out of Amsterdam. Oh, okay. And Roger was the UK was our UK manager.
0: I always uh, I love talking to Roger. Uh, now he's a Honda, of course, and he's been there for a number of years but he's always enjoyable to talk to with the GPs. Whenever, Absolutely. Whenever yeah. Roger's him. great.
1: Um, Roger gave me a lot of help as a youngster as well.
0: Right. Um, 88, you're on the Yamaha still, like you said, a much better bike, better bottom end motor, uh redesigned bike, 11th place, but you, you missed a bunch of GPs, but you still won the Belgium GP. So like, it's still there. You're still pretty fast in 88.
1: Yeah. I came, I came to the U S um, um, the end of 87 to test and ride and practice and i broke my wrist I broke my scaphoid the first day riding january the first 1980 <laughs> oh, yeah, i fell off fell off at Ritchie canyon which is you know yeah. uh, oh, yeah. and uh, i broke my wrist badly and um i was out for 4 months and when i started to ride again i tried to do the first gp in france yeah. i rode with the plaster cast on and, and i couldn't ride and i sat out the first few gps and my wrist gave me a lot of a lot of problems and mm-hmm. um i came back i won i i won Belgium. Like you in Belgium. Yep. I won another moto, I think, in Yugoslavia or yep. something. I won a moto in Argentina as well. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, and ended up 11th, which is not the season that I – I'd sort of envisage for myself, you know, but that's injuries. That's injuries. That's the way it goes. So yeah,
0: Um, you. So I was gonna lost my ride. One of the questions I was gonna ask you was, yeah, when you were, you know, at your best, did you ever race American Supercrosses or here or there or 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 Transcal or Golden States or anything, or you tried to and you broke a wrist, and that was it. I can't. I. I came over,
1: I rode one round of the Golden States. Um, I think it was was when I was on Yamaha. I think it was when I first got on the Yamaha beginning Mm -hmm. of 87. I came over and rode at Glen Helen in 87, yeah. Um, But I always wanted to ride in the U.S. At the end of 87, Mm -hmm. um, I actually had a deal lined up to come to U.S. full-time through, um, 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 I can't remember, the um, Yamaha team manager, McCarthy.
0: McCarthy, yeah, Keith Uh, McCarthy. Keith
1: McCarty, yeah, and um, I had a deal lined up with Keith to come over and, and ride for Yamaha US um, officially. Nice. And at the time, at the time, the deal fell through because, as far as we, as far as we were told, the American public wouldn't like the fact that a European rider had taken an American rider's place. And Mickey Diamond got the ride, and um, so I didn't come over. And the next year, Bale, or two years later, yeah. Bale came over and rode for, and which was <laughs> so. I, I kind of, I was really close to coming over, and that was probably. Mm-hmm. I would have preferred to have gone the U S route because everything, the tracks were more what I was used to riding. Mm-hmm. I and mean, that's more what I wanted to do. I would love to have done the supercross, but i never got a chance to ride proper American supercross, not as a youngster, not right. as a, when I was still in my sort of prime.
0: Yeah. 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 Um, what was your best you ever did at Bursi?
1: Bursi, I was third in the one twenty five a few times, yep. you know, um, um I always did pretty well. And I think my, my, I ran, I won, I won semi-finals, but the final always tended to either get really bad arm pump or, mm-hmm. or crash, you know. But I was third on the 125 a bunch of times on Suzuki with Stefan, you know, Stefan Evans. I think Stefan won and I was, um, I led it for a long time. Yeah. Um, yeah, but Bercy was was never, right. never quite lived up to my to my um, my own expectations at Bercy or what other people expected of me. You know, yeah. I'd, I'd crash out or get on pump <laughs> or something stupid.
0: But I was I was fast while I was on the bike. Yeah, no, that's that's again, that's what yeah. I would ra- read about you. Were you so yeah. you're racing Wardy and RJ and and Dogger and these guys? Are uh, you're over in America a little, a little bit here and there? Are you making friends with some of these top American guys back then? I mean, are you are you buddies with them at all? No, not not really. I I was always kind of a. I suppose in some.
1: Somewhere, I was probably a little bit in awe of them over there because it's kind of. That's the series that I kind of always followed, and, you, and the American stuff is kind of what I've always been sort of more interested in. Mm-hmm. They were probably I was probably in awe of everybody a little bit. Obviously <laughs> I spoke to them, and you know sometimes the multi procrastinations and stuff. I talked to Ricky, and I talked to like Jeremy McGrath, yeah. and he, but I've never. got, I was also quite shy. I've always been quite a, quite very much an introvert. Yeah, so. I'm always one sort of, you know, that doesn't say anything. I'd rather listen than talk. Yeah. Yeah. I find it a, that's just me. You know, I'd rather listen than talk. So I'm not one for making conversation, yeah. but it doesn't mean I'm not friendly. Right, right. That's just kind of
0: my nature. Yeah, I was flipping through an old but, um, motocross action, and, and they interviewed Rick Johnson, and he said they were asking about which European, you know, has the most chance over in the USA. And he said Rob Herring, he goes, is, is really good. If, if there was one rider I could pick, it'd be Rob Herring that, you know, could come over to America and do very well. You know, this was some random interview in Motocross Action around the late 80s. Okay. So. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, I remember coming to the U.S. and in, in, it was 88 a uh, Unadilla, the GP, and I qualified fastest, you know. Yeah. And then, they, uh, unfortunately, I fell off Sunday morning. I fell off and split my hand open, and I, and I couldn't particularly race the GP, you know. Yeah. So, um. But I mean, my speed was was you know I got noticed over there. You I know, mean, eighty-seven yeah, sure. at Hollister Hills, the, the USGP. I ran towards the front. and ran ran out of fuel, so yeah. um, I got noticed over there. But um,
0: yeah, this Things is uh, just never kind of
1: worked out. But
0: eighty-eight, you wore a Pico gear, I think, a Pico. Yeah, yeah. I love that gear. Where did yeah. that come from? Where was that from? Or who owned that?
1: That was. The owner was the guy who was, a, I think he was four-time world trial champion, Yurio Western and Finnish,
0: okay. Finnish. Finnish okay. rider, yep.
1: who, who lives in the UK and is married to um, um, a lady called Diane, okay. uh, whose father was one of the top, Surgeons. Okay. So if you ever had an injury, you went yep. to, you know, <laughs> to yeah. her dad to sort you out. Right. But um Vestie, you know, Vestie, we call him Vesty. Um he started at Pico and the gear was great. He was a CD import CD boot importer as well. Okay. And when I first came to the UK, you know, he struck a deal with me and I rode for Pico for a couple of years. They've subsequently disbanded as a clothing company, but you know, they're now a major distributor of, of many different products. Oh, okay. But the clothing was great, you know, it was it was yeah. it was a bit like the HRP stuff, the Hannah right racing products that we had a kidney belt built into yep. the jeans which yep. i loved it, it did i love that and then they kind of did away with it so um it was well, i thought it was great
0: yeah lyle's wore it too lyle's at least at least it too I jeff, think?
1: jeff yeah. leesk rode yeah jeff yeah. leesk as well but never really went into the states
0: no i never really saw anybody in america run it no so. i always thought it looked pretty cool myself and you look cool on the bike yeah, and everything it was <laughs> pretty popular in the uk <laughs> Race Tech Suspension and Engines, people. Max 18 is the code to save. Breaking through the limitations of OEM designs, Race Tech specializing in high performance suspension parts, service, and setups. Modifying stock suspension components to perform at the highest level. Discover why more top privateers trust Race Tech. Guys like the HEP Suzuki team and many more in the pits use Race Tech for their suspension and engines mods. Popham 18 you can save using the code. Please check them out, racetech.com. Do it. Maxxis tires. From your bike to your truck and almost everything with wheels in between. Maxxis Tires will have you hooking up, pulling the hole shot, and beating your competition. One of the world's most trusted tire brands, Maxxis delivers high-quality tire products that perform no matter what the terrain or conditions. If you don't believe me, just ask the king, Jeremy McGrath. So eighty, okay. So eighty-eight, we cover eighty-nine. You're on Suzuki. So what happens there? How do you switch? Uh, is it a better offer, or does Yamaha deal go away, or how, how, do, how do you end up on Suzukis?
1: I think the Yamaha deal went away because obviously I didn't live up to yep. their expectations in eighty-eight, you know, and uh, I got an offer from from Suzuki again. It was full factory uh, run through the UK uh, Heron Suzuki, run by Rob Hooper, an ex ex British um, Championship um, rider, mm-hmm. and it was myself and and um, I can't remember whether it was Jeremy Watley that year or whether it was the following year Jeremy Watley was my teammate. But um, um, I think it was just me that year. But mm-hmm. it was full factory bikes, yep. you know. Um, well, full factory um, parts motor-wise. Suspension was pretty much what we did ourselves. We yeah. didn't get factory suspension, but we pretty much did that ourselves. And, um, again, it took me a little while to adjust, but not as long to adjust to, su- to the yeah. Suzuki as what it had done adjusting to the Yamaha from the Cowie <laughs> From the Cowie, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You only
0: race You only race You only race Three GPs You won a moto In France though Yeah So you know Yeah like I won it's, a moto In France Yeah It's like st- I broke
1: and <laughs> That year I broke My neck you Oh know, okay At, at Unadilla, I broke my neck in At Unadilla. Oh jeez So um that kind of wiped me out for you know I wasn't out for um right. I was out for probably ten ten weeks, but it it's enough to sort of slow you down yeah. you know when you get back on the bike again, it really sort of knocked my confidence um
0: what uh, what part did you realize what part of the track you crash on at Unadilla.
1: in the on the I can't, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of it yeah. um the the last downhill the steep downhill before you do a one eighty degree oh, screw, come back up screw you. Back. Screw, screw you screw you you yeah. Know? Going down, screw you. I was going down the inside of Pekka Veikkanen, uh-huh. and Pekka moved over on me and just took my front wheel out. Ah. And I went over, obviously went over the front and landed on my head. And 35. I tried to race the next moto because I didn't <laughs> realise my neck was broken. Right. Did and you- I still raced the next weekend when I came back to the UK. But oh, you after did? that weekend, I, oh, geez. I couldn't even like. I've been to a chiropractor during the week, and they have me on the bed pulling my neck around and trying to kick my neck and stuff.
0: (laughs) Imagine if they went the wrong way.
1: Jeez, yeah. Oh, man. I rode the net that weekend in a British championship, and on the way home, I couldn't even sit. In, on a seat in the car, I had to lay down in the van on the floor. Oh, wow. My dad said, you, "You really need to go and get yeah. some proper X-rays. <laughs> You've got something going on." They some X-rays. They went, "Yeah, C five vertebrae broken. Yeah. You're so lucky." And I, as soon as he said that, I didn't move. Yeah, you know, yeah, I just froze. I was like, "Okay, I'm not even going <laughs> to turn my head." But, you know, um, you, when you're when you're a kid, you put up, you you know, you ride, mm-hmm. you try and ride through injuries, and you know, but. some things you can't ride through
0: 89 this is bale's year 250s uh he won 88 125 89 he goes to 250s so this would have been rj too winning unadilla i think that year back from a wrist injury um yep so when you when you saw bale come in were you i mean obviously he was the guy you wanted to beat um he won the title that year were you thinking about this future of this jmb kid and like it looked pretty bright
1: yeah, I mean, because I'd seen Jambi a couple of years before, like uh, French Supercross, you know, mm-hmm. I come across him. And then the Motocross the Nations in 88 in, at Villars, you know, I was in the 250s, but yep. I was in the 125s. Yep. I won the one moto in the 250s and he won the 125 stuff. So I was kind of really aware. Um, when he came into the 250s, he rode the first GP of the year in France, but he had an injury. He, I think he had a, it was covering from a wrist injury. I was second overall at in the first GP. So I was, you know, pretty well set up. hmm um as one of the one of the, the fast faster guys in the two fifty class. But I mean Bale Bale brought a brought a, a different you know, Bale is one of the guys that for me, you know, he's one of the guys that stands out. Yeah. He's one of my favourite riders, even yeah. though I rode against him. <coughs> right. He's one of the guys <laughs> right, I right. admire as a rider. Right. He brought a whole new finesse, a bit like Bailey. He reminds me of Bailey. Right. The finesse they have on the bike, the fluid, the fl- fluid style they have, just effortless. You know, yep. when he was riding right. Yeah. But um, I mean, he he basically killed the guys in the two fifties that year. Yeah, and then he went to the states. So everyone was like, well, you know, yep. gave everybody else a bit of a bit of a chance again." But he was really impressive. Bay Area was, yeah, he's really a, impressive. Yeah,
0: he's a guy that's just I feel not enough is written about or talked about. And definitely, I, definitely, I know RJ and Glover and Wardy and all these guys from following the circuit for so long. And of course, MC and these guys, they're all cool, and I get along with all of them. And I'm not really in awe of any of them anymore. Some of them are my buddies. That guys were my heroes. But JMB is a guy. When I saw him when he was working for Honda in the GPs or when I see him at Bercy every year, I'm like, I'm like, shit, there's JMB. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, what a legend. Yeah. He, he just was it like, was absolute, yeah, just, yeah. I'm out. I, I, I won everything in 91. I almost won everything in 92 without barely trying. And now I quit. I'm going road racing. It's just insane. You know.
1: Yeah, how many guys could do that, you know? Just quit when at the at their peak. Right, quit. right. Imagine what he imagine what he could have done if he had carried on. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, very 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 impressive, you know. Um, um and still rides a bike so awesome. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I've heard. Uh so 90 GPs uh Puzar wins. Uh again not I can't really find out. You look like you're about 6 in the points from what, what, my 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 research and you won and you yeah. got second overall in Unadilla to Stanton. Yep. Yeah. So do you yeah. like Unadilla? Sound like you like Unadilla. I
1: love, you. I love Unadilla because Unadilla was <clears throat> Unadilla was technical because it was that black loam. It might have changed a little bit by now and got yeah. a bit more hard packed. When you got there in the morning, it was all green and grassy, and it yeah. was black loam, and it was really bumpy and rough. And you used to have the steps up the far side, which were – they weren't manicured. They weren't. They weren't um, bulldozed flat and made into like uphill steps. They were raw, just steps in the ground. Were uh-huh. so technical, you know. And and it was a. It was kind of like a. It was a European. It was closest you're going to get to a European track. Right. And it was technical. And for me, I just I just loved the soil, you know. Um, mm-hmm. It yeah, looked I like loved the track.
0: It looked like watching videos. And I've watched that ninety GP. Was that the three moto year or no? No, that was later on. That was. A, um, I think that was the three moto. Was year. it three motos? I, I've, it could watched, have been. I've watched. I've watched a few been. of them, and it's like the line in the first moto that was say on the left hand side of the track. Uh, that's no yeah. longer any good, and now you have to go on the far right side for the second motor or whatever. Yeah. Like it was a real uh, smart. It's not like that at all anymore. By the way, Rob, it's it's not like that at all. Um, but, kind of watch. I kind
1: of it, watch it, and then I reminisce what it used to be like, and yeah. it was an awesome track. It yeah. really was awesome. Um, yeah.
0: Did you were you always amazed at how much the fans loved Bob Hanna? There, like it was just stupid, right? I like mean,
1: it... oh, but yeah, but, but I was always amazed with it, with the, with the fans at Unadilla in the first place. You yeah. had like all the hillbilly <laughs> right. and the, the fighting across <laughs> the valleys and stuff, you know. Right. When I came there for eighty for the donations in eighty seven in the mud and I'm watching the fans then, you know, it was it was it was it was awesome. Yeah. But yeah. The fans were pretty cool at Unadilla; they
0: were definitely uh, ninety one. You go to 500s, Do I see? Or do I have my recent? When would you? When do ninety one? I stayed to State two fifty nine. 91. State 250 and 91. Okay, and then you moved to 500s, I think, shortly after that. Um, what? Go ahead.
1: Yep. So I moved to 500s. In 98, I moved to 500s. Oh, was it that long? So was quite one? late okay. on. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, so at some point, um, the injuries start mounting up for you, it looks like, when I start looking at your results and start looking at the amount of GPs you're missing. I, I guess, is it just injuries that is starting to add up for you a little bit? Yeah. I had, I had some, I had some nasty, you
1: know, um, I say my broken neck in 89. Um, And then I kind of had a couple of years where I managed to stay sort of injury free. Um, I had a bad knee injury actually in 98, I had a bad knee injury. And actually that's probably the one thing, you know, um, which hampered my, my ability to sort of improve, you know, Mm -hmm. was riding with my knee. I never had my knee repaired when they, when they took me in, they said, Oh, you've, you stretch ligaments in your knee. We're going to have a look and replace the ligaments, and they didn't. When I came around, they hadn't touched it. They said, oh, long. no, you'll be okay with a bit of exercise. <laughs> basically, over the years, yeah, I've lived basically with two knees that have got two, ligam- two ligaments gone in both knees, and my knees are very unstable, and I've ridden like that for – I rode like that through my whole career and got to a certain point where my knees would start locking. My cartilage was locking my knee yeah. up, and I had to stop during the motor and oh. flick, <laughs> flick the
0: cartilage back in. <laughs> and, so then, like, and then, yeah, move your knee a little bit and go back out. <laughs>
1: Kind of because it's one of these situations where I had a couple of years where you know I'd done quite badly because two injury. Ninety five, mm-hmm. I broke my leg twice, and um, and you think well, it can't you can't afford to to stop racing for six months voluntarily because yeah. you need to earn a living, yep. to keep you know to keep living. So I couldn't stop for six months and go right. I need to get my knees done. Yeah, that's going to be how long it's going to going to take me to 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 get myself healthy again. So I carried on riding through the injuries, wearing knee braces, and trying to ride more with yep. my feet on the pegs. But yeah, you always catch you do quite often catch your feet, and you do a little bit more damage to it. You know, just because you caught your toe on maybe the edge of a rat or something, and you tweaked your knee a bit more. And it got to the point where my knees were so bad that you know that that really really hampered. You know, I had to slow down. I had to start yep. sort yep. of, you know. I couldn't keep pushing, pushing, pushing and being wild, you know, and I had to slow down to smooth myself out to yeah. make my knees last. Yeah. So, um,
0: and now you're not the same guy anymore on the bike. You're thinking about it. You're, you're thinking about the 11- specific turns, right-hand turns or left-hand turns. And you're like, can't quite do that. You know, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. Yes. Yeah.
1: It change It changes. And you try and you try and make up for it through, through track skill and yeah. race, you know, being, being a racer and knowing when to push, you know, and, and trying to get off the start and make the start's more important you mm-hmm. know um but when you're young if, it, if i didn't get a good start it wouldn't matter too much because i had the speed to, to try and get to the front but i also but that was what kind of got me into trouble and then made me crash because i was a bit wild because i had that raw speed you know right. take chances when i didn't necessarily need to but when the injuries came along it was right okay i can't afford to make those chance take yep. those chances anymore because i've got to just keep riding because i need to earn a living to keep to keep living yeah. And that became that actually kind of spoilt my racing because then I stopped enjoying it. Yep. Because yep. of that pressure, because of that I had to ride to make a living, but I couldn't afford to sort of stop, you know. All of a sudden the enjoyment side, the getting on the bike and riding side went and then I think that really made a difference in in my racing. The fact that my my riding no longer became fun.
0: Yeah. It, and now, yes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Rob Herring on the uh, Fly Racing Racer X podcast, presented by Alpine Star Protects and, and Maxis Tires. You probably wore Al- Alpine Stars at some point, Herring, I guess. Lost the weather now. Oh, fantastic. Lost the weather now. Good yeah. to hear. Um, <clears throat> hey, so let's, let's talk 94, Switzerland, Malin, Thorpe, or Malin, May- Nickel, and you, I should say. Not Thorpe. Um, beating Team USA. I've watched that video a few times. What a fast track like what you talked about earlier, you enjoyed that and Switzerland certainly uh, fit that bill. Did you, did you think you guys could have a good day in the beginning of the day? Do you remember thinking we have a shot here?
1: Um, I think whenever we went into the donations, you know, we always, we were always in with a shot. We were always in with mm-hmm. we a shot of being on the podium because, you know, in 92, we were second. Yep. Uh, sorry, we we're ninety two. you know, so we weren't that far away. And then, in actual fact, in 94, we probably didn't think that, yeah, okay, we knew we were going to be pretty good. We're going to yep. be up there. But we probably didn't think that, you know, we were going to win it. Um, I'd just come off an injury. I of an ankle injury from, a cup think, the GP before the weekend before. Um, Paul was on a 125, which he hadn't ridden all year. Right. He, he was a big unknown. And Kurt, I mean, Kurt being Kurt. Yeah, he knew Kurt you know, was going
0: to be solid, for sure. Yeah. yeah.
1: Kurt's, Kurt's as solid as anything, you know. And it was one of those days where, we all went training the week before we Mm -hmm. all, we all get on pretty well. We actually trained together. Me and Kurt trained together with the same trainer for a couple of years. And uh, I knew Paul really well as well. We all got on fairly well off the track. So we had a lot of camaraderie. Yeah. We got on very well with Thorpe as well. Mm -hmm. And um, I think we all went there when, when you go there as a team and you all have the same goal. And I think this is what's missing, what has been missing before. We've gone there very much individually. We went there as a team, like the four of us and all had the same goal. We wanted to win. And, you know, everything that day was in our favour. The track conditions, yeah. Um, the way we rode. You know, I was the the weaker link of the team. My results were the worst, but I still had a second and a sixth. Right. Um. You know, it was my sixth place we threw away. Yeah, threw um, yeah. So, uh, uh, you know, how many how many days do you get that with your three guys? You know, right to their potential. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, it just it was just one of those magic days. I mean, it's so ridiculous that. The British, um, the British motorcycle press didn't even send a journalist there. Really? There's nobody. Yep. There wow. was no one there to cover wow. it because they didn't expect. Yeah. The sound The sad thing is about us. Is we won the donations, which for us was a major, yeah. major feat. We were team world champions. Yeah. That night, back at the hotel, I went back. You know that our governing body wouldn't even wouldn't even buy the drinks at the bar for us that oh. night when we got back to the hotel. Wow! Yeah, that's how sad it is. And when we came back to the UK, there wasn't one little mention in any papers anywhere, you know, of of what we'd achieved. And you know, Jeez. you just feel like you know, yeah, nobody really knows what we've done.
0: Yeah, know? it was such but an upset. I, it, was, it was such an upset.
1: It was it was a, it was a great feeling. I mean, mm-hmm. I only watched the video a little while ago, and. um the, you know, the crowd afterwards on the podium, mm-hmm. the cheers we got on the English flags waving, that's definitely... One of the it's probably the highlight of my career. You know, yeah. the feeling I had on that day, you know, was was amazing. It was brilliant. So and,
0: and like yeah. like uh, catching and pa- I don't know if it was I can't remember if it was you specifically, but I know for sure. Nickel and Paul like caught and passed kardowski and Larocco and, and and like it was like earned. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't any USA breakdowns or USA. DN- I mean, you guys were better than them that day, and and just it was great. It was it was awesome to see. And-
1: I say they just rode their potential, you know, and we all worked really hard for it. And um, it's just one of those days it just worked worked in our favor. And, you know, the, the track was extremely fast. It was very, very European yep. in comparison to what, you know, the American riders were like. Um um, but, you know, that, that time, it was going to happen at some point, wasn't it? You know, the the yeah, winning streak yep, was going to yeah, stop at some, at
0: some point. point. Right. And then,
1: you know, <clears> throat> um, throat> you know it's, it's a nice feeling that it's, gonna, it's probably going to be a long time before a British team wins it
0: again. So, you yeah. know, it was a, um, an awesome achievement. Well, by Anst- by Anst- Anstey was amazing this past year. Holy oh, smokes. He, re- he, he
1: was he, great. He rode he re- phenomenal. I was so impressed with the way uh, Max rode last year. Um, you know, um, excellent, brilliant.
0: You, you you talked about though beginning. Um, you went there as a team, and you you practiced together before, and and something struck me because the USA right now is on its longest winless streak, and me being a Canadian, although I've lived in the USA as long as I lived in Canada, but me being Canadian, I I I feel a little bit of. I just watch the Team USA. These are, these are my friends, for sure, most of them, and I want them to succeed. But I also feel like I can remove a little bit of bias when I go to designations, right? And I can look at this. And yeah. something among, um, uh, some people on the American side have told me is that that team atmosphere of Team USA that you spoke about, well, that helped you guys win, and, and you know, bottom line, Rob, is you know, the res- what goes on the track is what really matters. But the USA, the last three, four, five, six years, has gone sort of as individuals, do you know what I mean? Indi- they're parked individually. They're not t- riding together before. They're not necessarily um, lining everything up. And I don't know. It could be one of the reasons why USA is struggling a bit at this race.
1: I think. I think also the fact that the USA is, is I think, under quite an immense amount of pressure because it, it's always Europe against the USA. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's never like England and Belgium and France <laughs> right, and Italy. Right. It's they, the fans see it as Europe. If any if any European team beats beats Team USA, you know that's awesome. But that puts a lot of pressure on the on the American riders, you know. And, and I think the last couple of years, it seems like Tomac didn't want whether he didn't want to do the the yeah. donations or you get the, the the top guys, the top top guys mm-hmm. um, don't want to do it. And whether it's you know whether it's because. You know, it's too much in there because they have a long season with the Supercross, the yep, Upland yep. Nationals, yep. and they want to break that's, that's absolutely fine. But it's a shame in a way then that you don't get the, the top, top guys. You know what I mean? Because then I think the story would be different. Yeah. Yep. not saying not saying that the guys that went aren't top, top, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. sometimes the guys can be that sort of second tier. You know, right. the, the next guy's in line, but the level now is so high with the guys like Hurlings, you know, and the way Caroli's riding and a lot of the European kids, you know, Muskan are so, are getting so good and so fast. You've got to send your best guys. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you know, you're not going to get the result
0: that your, yeah. your country's capable. Of. Yeah. You're just, it doesn't really, all this, all the team bonding doesn't matter if you don't have your best guys and, and you have a point. You're yeah, right.
1: And it, yeah. And I don't know. And I don't know whether the whether I'm not sure what how the American riders think of the motocross to nations, but certainly in England, if we get chosen for it, yeah. it's a major thing. Yeah. You know, and everybody wants to be on it, but it almost seems like over there, it's like well, we're not all that bothered because it's just like a European thing. Uh-huh. I don't know. I'm, it's Just kind of what it seems like to me from the from the sidelines. Yeah, yeah. Um, which you know, um, you know, when when the best guys go, then you know, right. Then you can truly say right. Okay america or belgium were the best team in the world yeah, that year yeah. because it was the best guys in the world you know um,
0: yeah i think when it comes to guy riders legacies for guys like me in the media the guys that care about it i mean you don't care because you're yeah. an ex-rider and everything you have to look at eli and Dungey, and and say that and you have to mention hey they they bowed out of destinations. nations like i think that matters they bowed out they didn't want to go you know yeah. i don't know i just it's not like um uh, a pox on their house for not for not going. It's not terrible but you, I think that needs to be mentioned, you know? Um, because they turned
1: Definitely. it down. I, I, yeah, and and they've got a reason and that's fine, yeah. but you know. Yep. But it's a, but it's a shame then because we don't see the best the best team America put together mm-hmm. doesn't go there. You know, and at that kind of level, you know, you've got to send your best team, yep. you know. And it's it's just a shame because I would love to see nothing more than the top American guys against the top European guys. That to me is right. like is the ultimate, you know. When it's a slightly not a second rate team because I don't rate anybody a second no. rate. When they're at that sort of that those top ten guys in the US, that level is not second rate. You right. know, but you know when it's not the hundred percent best team, it just takes that little bit away. You know, sure. what if what if they could have won? If so and so had been there. Right. Um, um, so you mentioned, but I think this year is <laughs> going to be this year going to be different. We you know on an American track, it's going to be different. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's going to yep. be – I agree. I, I, they, they have to be heavily favored to win at Red Bud. Yeah, but, I mean, they know.
1: had such bad, such bad luck last year. Yep. you know, I'll, I'll put my money on them this year. That Team USA will bring, bring, the, um, bring the trophy back. So
0: you mentioned you got second in 86 in, in Majoria. Um, you, yeah. you, you you won the 94 in the team. You got second. Uh, you mentioned another result. How many times did you ride for England?
1: I rode for England 10 times. 10 rode, times? Um, oh, wow. Yeah, I, I rode 80, 86 87 88. I missed 89 because I, I was out through my broken neck. Yeah. I rode um Germany. I missed 1990.
0: Well, that's when yeah, Ro- that's rode... when Rob Andrews got in with his stock Cowie, His bone stock Kawasaki. That's right. <laughs> I rode I rode
1: 1990 in Sweden. I think I won I won the one one of the 125 motos in 1990. Yeah. I rode 91. I rode um, in um, in Vulcan Square. Oh wow! Okay. Ninety-two. Yep. 90, Ninety-two. I rode in Australia where we were third. Yep. And um, sand races and other sand. Um, yeah, but again, I, I led that. I led that until about two laps, three laps from the end, and then fell off. Oh, jeez! You know, yeah, I know that's me. <laughs> that's, <laughs> this
0: is Rob Herring's career, the right there. Real.
1: <laughs> that's me, you know. And just gave it away. I just had, you know, I had a good lead. And I think right. Monique Bavorce was behind me, and I fell off. And yeah. you know, yeah. Anyway, uh, that's that's you know, water under the bridge.
0: It'll be he'll be on your tombstone. He led the whole race yeah. until he fell late. I then fell <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Um that road, I think ninety-four. Ninety-four. <clears throat> 96, um, 90, 98, 99. And, and that was it. Wow. 10 years, yeah.
0: But. That's awesome. Now, do you have a favorite one out of all that? I mean, obviously the winning as a team, but do you have a favorite race and all of that for yourself?
1: Um, my favorite race, actually, uh, my two races that I really, both times I did extremely well was 88 at Villars in France. France when, yeah. I, I, when Ricky, I'm not sure what problem Ricky had, whether he went down on the first lap, but I won the, I won the second two fifty moto. And Ricky came from the back. Um RJ came from the back to second. Uh-huh. Lachine won and I was yeah. I was behind Lachine. then Ricky was behind me. And then the other time was in Vimmerby in nineteen ninety on a one two five in in uh, Sweden when I won the yeah. um the set one twenty Cause I was quick on a one two five and I was a big I was quite a big big guy. I've never been that small. Mm-hmm. But I was a lot bigger than, you know, and Stefan was one twenty five and I beat all the all the sand riders, you know, um yeah. but I, I came from the back and passed them. To me, that's a highlight in the donations sure. for me. Just not necessarily results wise, but because the way I rode. Yeah, I know that day I rode really well. Whoever was on that track, on I, I would have beaten them that day. I'm pretty confident of it. Um, but they stand out t- for me. Oh. 94 doesn't really stand out It does as a result. Yeah, but I think because the I, I didn't ride particularly well. Uh-huh. You know, when I look when I look back at it and look at myself ride, I think actually I sat down way too much. I'm not <laughs> happy with the way I, I. But the other days I rode, I rode. Technically very, very well. So, uh,
0: And you were the British team manager for a number of years. Um, seven, seven years, yeah. Why did you, you give that up? Or did you just find it was, was it too political? Did it get too, 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 too much time involved? or?
1: Yeah, two reasons. One is my, my work you know, with the film industry started to get busier and busier. Mm-hmm. I couldn't devote any time. And it all started to get very political. The yeah. fact that all I was doing, basically, was I was choosing the team. And that was it. They were taking everything else away from me. And you, the one at the end of the day that if something doesn't go right, who who gets all the, yeah, all the flat. You do. The agri- yep. I get it. Right. And it, and, and it's an, it's an unpaid job. It's voluntary and I'm not getting paid to do it. And I think I don't need this. You yeah, know, right, I, right. I, I, I can, I can put my time to far better things than this. And, uh, you know, I decided to, you know, to, to let somebody else take it on. So I resigned from it. Yeah. It
0: sounds like it's still is political yeah. when I talk to the MX vice guys and it sounds like they're yeah, still no, very I mean, political. Yeah.
1: It's 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 silly, really, you know, um, I mean, unfortunately, you know, I mean, we've 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 not had a team. OK, last year, England was Great Britain was third. Yeah, we've not had a team really where we've had three very strong riders, yep. you know, in, in any one in for any one year. We've always had like one good rider yep. and the other two like, you know. Um, And so you're going there knowing to start with that, you know, you're not going to, I mean, you're lucky if you get on the podium, but you're going to be battling for fifth, sixth place. And to me, me, that just became, that wasn't what I was, you know, after winning the donations and being on teams where we could be top three, Mm -hmm. the desire to sort of, you know, Put my neck on the line and 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 um and put the effort in. You yep. know, it wasn't worth the aggravation. So I went, okay, somebody else do it. <laughs> yeah, you're like, all right,
0: I I did my yeah, my share, yeah. right? Uh, I, in, yeah, exactly. In '86 at at Italy, we all know the story. Johnny O on the 125 was great. Uh, but but yeah, Thorpe awesome. did lose his rear brake, uh, according to David and a few other people. And then, of course, in the in motocross action, in the American press, you probably heard about it. A lot of people were slagging on 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 Thorpey. Did that that kind of stuff piss you off? Do you remember all that kind of? controversy to be, to be truthful you know i was
1: i was part of the team that day and i don't remember maybe you know i mean i think the way the americans rode that day yeah relevant okay. whether david had a rear brake on or not <laughs> right, there was right. no stopping i mean johnny on the 125 round majora which was, it was just a horsepower track it had yep, some big old yep, hills yeah now they were they were in a class of their own i mean david you know rj you know no one would have beaten them no no one in the world, even on their best day, would have beaten them round there that day. That was that was as as they say, the dream team. Yep. You know, um David was world champion, but that track, you know, everything suited a bit like us, we had that that day where everything suited us mm-hmm. in yep. in Austria. But that day in Majora, everything suited the Americans 100 percent You know, they absolutely walked in. So you know that was so so impressive, especially on a one-two-five. You know yeah. to do what Johnny did on a one-two-five was was pretty damn spectacular. Especially so, he know, wrote, he to re- take it out
0: him. yeah, he wrote two fifties and five hundreds all year and jumped on Diamond's bike. Yeah. You know for that one, yeah. And it was like, oh okay, cool. You know, I figure it awesome. <laughs> I mean that's a
1: classic. You know if you if you go back and watch it, if you want to watch a donations, you know, and uh, that's the one to watch is the '86, you know, uh, yeah. major donations.
0: Yeah, know, absolutely. So Phenomenal, uh, yeah so do you, uh, we talked about, I mean, we've talked about some uh, pretty awesome races by you is, is it, it, when I talked, when I say to you, what's the best race ever, what's a couple of races that stand out? I mean, I guess you'll say Sweden that this nation's will be one of them. Anything else?
1: Yeah. Um, probably, probably, um, I mean, probably my first ever GP win because it was my first ever Grand Prix win, you know, yep. that is always special. Um, and, and one ride which stands out to me, which probably means nothing to anyone, you know, um, yeah. just the way that I rode that day was um, a support race. When we were support supporting the 500 Grand Prix in 19, I think it was 1990 at Hawkstone Park. Okay. In the sand. Yeah. Yeah. I think myself and James Dobb, you know, we rode the support class and I, I won both motos and I lapped faster than all the 500 guys on the 250, oh. but I never rode Hawkstone well. But for that day. Yep. Something, I rode Hawkston like I've never ridden it before. I rode it absolutely perfectly. And I don't know what I did wrong. or Sorry, I don't know what I did right, what I changed. But that day, to me, stands out because I can't figure out how the hell I rode around that, that track so well that day. That's a standout for me, you know, because, yeah, yeah. you know, it's not a track that I like. It's not somewhere that I ever particularly went well on. But yeah. just one day, it all, all just clicked. Is, I wish I could have found that a little bit
0: more. Is Hawkston the one with the big sand jump that Joe Bay was doing at some point?
1: Um, yes, the big double. Yeah, 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 which they they took out. They took out about two years after that. But that was quite an impressive impressive yeah. leap. Yeah, no, uh, I don't think he was the first to jump it. I think it was the Americans that jumped it first. Was it? I can't remember. Yeah, was
0: it the? Is Hawks the one? American. Is Mike, Hawk's, Is Hawks? Mike. Uh, would have been. Um, Michael Larson back then. Phil Larson? I don't think it was Larson. Um, was it? You, you might have, uh, anyway,
1: yeah. American rider I, I, I saw jump it first. <laughs> but, uh, that was a pretty impressive jump. But I mean, there was probably only three guys jumping. Yeah. you know, yeah. um, you, made, you made you made a good two or three seconds doing it.
0: Oh, for sure. Is Hoxton the one with the with the two by fours down a hill too, or something? What, what British trick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just like, what are these guys doing? It's like a like a staircase coming down or something. <laughs>
1: um it's it's pretty it's, yeah it's got some steps coming down it was right. pretty pretty gnarly track i yeah. mean it was um yeah i mean it's very very technical um it's got a big hill big sandy hill but which is now turned to half of its rock oh is so it you get yeah. a lot of wheel yeah. spin but i mean quite an impressive venue but um yeah but a, but a great gp track you well, know that, it's probably most legendary in the uk
0: that lines up to my next question what's a couple of your favorite tracks you've ever raced
1: Favorite tracks ever raced. I have to say that probably one of the tracks that I enjoyed the most to ride um, was probably um, Jerez in Spain. They had the motocross der oh, yeah. there in '96, yeah. where yeah. where um, McGrath won both motos. Mm-hmm. America won, um, but that track to me um, was one of the most enjoyable tracks to ride because it was it, it was very very technical. You know, bit, bit America, a bit more American than European. You had lots of doubles, mm-hmm. triples. There was a quad jump on it, tabletops on corners. Awesome track to ride. Yep. Um, apart from that, I thoroughly enjoyed Unadilla. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Grand Prix track-wise, that's probably my my favorite Grand Prix track was going was going to Unadilla. Um, and I, apart from that, I probably don't have too many yep, favorite yep. tracks. I was, you know, I would prefer more hard-packed terrain rather than sand because I've always been more of a yeah. hard pack rider than sand. But, um, yeah, Unadilla and um, Jerez in Spain are probably my two all-time favorite tracks.
0: What are a couple of your favorite bikes that you raced over the years? your favorite ones My favorite bikes i think racing grand Prix's my favorite bike was my ninety one
1: Honda yeah because um, I had a full factory motor that year, not suspension, but the mm-hmm. engine was absolutely phenomenal on it um, and then prior to that, I would say it 's going back a little while to probably my eighty three k x one two five okay and then my my, my eighty one kx eighty just for <laughs> It probably probably stems back to having years that you remember really enjoying your racing and having a really good time racing and associating that with the bike you're on at the time. Those were years where I really enjoyed my racing and seemed to make big jumps. And the bike seemed to be, you know, a part of that. So, uh, you know, I, I... um, 83 I had the them, uh, you know,
0: 83 had the rear rear number plate on the on the rear fender And the number plate yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah and I'm,
1: you know they stand out for me you know if I could find one of them now and put it in my garage I would <laughs>
0: um, so yeah. 91 that would have been uh, Parker Parker and Schmidt were in the class that year with you. I would think yeah 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 Yeah. Um, and I think even diamond was over there by then at that point so really really interesting I think riding Yamaha
1: yeah yeah yeah
0: Yeah. Bader Manet Um, you know all these American guys Healy yeah it was really really a neat time in in GP racing for for a guy over here
1: yeah we we had had quite a quite a few American riders over at the time so yeah it was um it was good racing then it was good racing so
0: Uh, absolutely um all right so for you what's next what's the next movie you're working on can you can you tell us um, it's
1: pretty, I'm, I'm at the moment, nothing, nothing, I mean, nothing big at the moment. You yeah. know, I'm, I'm flitting around doing different days, a day on this, a day on that, a commercial here and the commercial there. But, you know, last year I, I had, um, a couple of years ago, the last big ones I did were Wonder Woman, you know, and, um, which did pretty well. Yeah. And Jason Bourne, Jason Bourne. And, oh, I didn't see and the Spectre, new Bourne. Which yeah. is, no, I mean, that, did, that did extremely well so um, but no it's, it's, um, it's kind of quiet things are going to get busy this year you know, um, some bigger films coming in maybe the new Bond film but that might be the end of the year maybe yeah. beginning of 2019 yep. hopefully I'll be on that again fingers crossed but you never know you know um, yep. how's,
0: uh, you know, how's um, Daniel Craig with the stunt guys is he cool nice guy
1: Oh, he's, yeah. I mean, he's, he's such a nice guy, you know, he's a real, he's a real gentleman, you know? And yeah, he's, he's lovely, lovely guy, you know, couldn't meet a nice guy. Yeah. It's but funny. You could actually, you know, you could, there's one or two guys, but he's, no, he's great. He's yeah. he's lovely. So
0: yeah. You hear these yeah. stories. I, again, I talk to my buddies, like there's some, some, some big actors that are just, just jerk offs. And you're just and these guys hate these guys and they're, they're portraying them in movies and they're like, oh, I hate this guy. Like, you know, but some guys are cool. Yeah
1: some guys are absolutely mega you know matt damon is the nicest guy i've ever i've ever had the chance to speak to that you would never think you know you think yeah. or oh, you wouldn't want to talk to normal people but yeah. such a nice guy you know yeah. Um, and yeah you i know, really uh, you can really appreciate what they do and you know um yep. yeah but Dan, daniel's in the same ilk as matt you know yeah. he's um it's it's a lovely, lovely it's normal down to earth
0: you know? yeah they appreciate what you're doing for them and you appreciate that you know what i mean like yeah it's kind of like it works both ways right
1: Absolutely. Oh. Yeah, we we want to make a good film to make them look good, you know. Right. And, um yeah.
0: Um, well, real interesting stuff for sure, uh, Rob. Thank you for doing this. We've circled each other a few times, trying to line yes. this up, and I appreciate you reaching back out to me and, and saying, "Hey, let's let's finally do this." You finally had some downtime from your work, and uh, and you're able to no do problem. this. Yeah, I, uh, I had a it's lot nice of fun. good to catch up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you for doing it. The Fly Racing Racer X Podcast, presented by Alpine Stars and Max's Tires. Rob Herring, thank you, Rob, and uh, good luck with everything, man. Thanks for the time.
1: Pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take the money.
0: The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know. And it's it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The Dogger, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse, you know. And I know from personal experience me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Go
1: Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money seven time Jeremy
0: McGrath I was so mad like so disappointed and so frustrated that I just pulled pick and I left every point counts I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in pants it's been no problem my, my ego got in the way you know the O Show Johnny O'Mara stop that you could you could